A single passage in one of the most famous poems of all time captures the essence of one faction of professional communications. It's by 13th century poet Jalal ad-Din Muhammad Rumi. Translated, it goes, Beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and right-doing, there is a field. I will meet you there. My name is Doug Downs. The background music we played at the beginning there, that's actually a song that was written dedicated to the poems of Rumi. It's called I Broke Away by Kavi Jezi Hockaday. There have been many songs written and dedicated to the poems of Rumi throughout the years. Even Madonna has one. Today on Stories and Strategies, Public Participation, my guest is Gay Robinson. Hello, Gay. Hello, Doug. Gay, you are a rare commodity these days. You are a CP3, a Certified Public Participation Practitioner certified through IEP2. Really quickly, what, what is that certification? Because it's, it's relatively new. Yes, it is it, in the last few years. But it is the professional designation for those people who work in the field of engagement. Mm-hmm. Now, years ago, I took a week-long training course. I can't remember who the trainer was, but I got a certificate at the end of the training. That, does that mean I'm certified or no? No, Doug, it oh. does not. It means you sat in a classroom with your awesome trainer uh, for five days um, and learned lots, I'm sure, but um, we didn't test you. We didn't try to figure out how much it had uh, sunk in and and that's what certification is about. Gay, you also hold your APR as an accredited in public relations designation from the Canadian Public Relations Society and you're the only person in Canada as of this recording to hold both the CP3 through IAP2 and the APR through CPRS. And Gay, you're also a principal in the Canadian Trainers Collective. That's correct. So, Gay, that opening passage, the poem, it, it's, it's from a poem by Rumi called A Great Wagon. Why does it resonate so well with the idea of public participation? Well, public participation is not about positions, right and wrong, uh, for or against. Um, it's about um, the need to create Space for dialogue. And I think that's what Rumi is talking about when he says there's this place beyond. It's about that place where we can have a dialogue. If we just defend our position, uh, we won't get anywhere. Sometimes there is no right or wrong. We need to accept that not all things are black and white, that we need to get comfortable in the uncomfortable space of grays. Can't we just give people a series of facts and surely logic will win the day? No. Sadly, uh, facts actually tend to get people more riled up sometimes. So we need to acknowledge that they're coming with a whole bunch of of, uh, values and interests and other things um, that, that become part of why they take the position. Gay, I was I was joking um, a few minutes ago when I said I couldn't remember my trainer's name. You and I have remained friends. I was back in 2008 
we've remained friends ever since. I I don't know what I have or haven't proven. And so by by 2008, I'd been in professional communications since 1986. But as I sat through that week, day after day, almost hour after hour, there were all these ah ahas. It was most revealing. And there was an exercise you did off the top. And I don't know if you remember that exercise, but it was about the IEP2 spectrum. Do you recall that? Can you explain that for us? Sure. So let me start by explaining a bit about the spectrum. Um, The spectrum is based on the idea that meaningful engagement is goal-driven. And so the spectrum also shows us that there are different levels of engagement, different amounts of engagement that are... um, going to be appropriate depending on your goal. There's five levels uh, starting um, on the uh, left side, we have inform, which basically we're just saying we're going to keep you informed. And then we move up to consult, which means we're going to listen to you and let you know what we use from your input. The middle level is involved, which where we're trying to make sure we not only get the input, um, but we understand it and we consider it all the way through our process. When we get to collaborate, we want to partner with the public and use recommendations uh, from that uh, group of people we're collaborating with to the fullest extent possible. And finally, um, the, the far right level is empower, which means that we are turning the decision making over to the public. So uh, as we move from left to right, we're having the the public's having an increased amount of impact on the decision. Communication is crucial to good engagement. You cannot have a P2 without having communication. Like it, it, it's so important. And I think that's how I went from being in communications to going into engagement because the two are so closely linked. Um, the exercise you did was kind of fun. Um, and thanks for, for mentioning it, Doug. Um, it was about trying to figure out the right level of engagement for the situation and for the people that were involved, both the sponsor and the participants. So we had a case study and roles and participants took on those roles and thought, how engaged do I want to be in this project? Where do I want to be on the spectrum? What amount of influence do I want to have on the outcome? And then we had to change hats and think about it from the project sponsor's perspective, which is, you know, what level would we like to see engagement for this project occur? We had to then look at how does that fit with what the stakeholders wanted? Because when you're the project sponsor, you kind of don't want people telling you what to do. And when you're the stakeholder, you don't necessarily want um, somebody else making a decision about something that's so important for you. And, and, and moving from the left to the right on the spectrum, from inform gradually to empowerment, nobody's fooling anybody. This is really hard to do. Yes. Yeah. I'm going to play you a collection of scenes from the television show Parks and Recreation starring Amy Poehler, distributed by NBC Universal. These are scenes from various public meetings that the good employees of Pawnee, Indiana have held. What I hear when I'm being yelled at is people caring loudly at me. Now, I have a few things I want to say about Laura Linney. There is a disturbing lack of benches in Ramsey Park. 
I want to sit more. I found a sandwich in one of your parks, and I want to know why it didn't have mayonnaise. <laughs> What's so funny? Oh. What are you, some kind of moron? Why don't you have hand dryers in the park bathrooms? They're so much more sanitary than paper towels. Anyone knows that? Ham and mayonnaise. No. Ham and mayonnaise. No, no, no. Ham and mayonnaise. Except for turnip. Except for turnip. My daughter's five. Well, your daughter is an idiot. Her daughter is an idiot. Her daughter is an idiot. Oh. No. Her daughter no, is no. an idiot. No, no, she's not. Government shut down. Who's going to stop Al-Qaeda? But isn't all food bad for you? I've been eating lasagna and muffins every day of my life for 40 years, and I feel terrible. How do you like it? Ah, no. How do you like that? Ah, now imagine you're holding coffee. That's got to make you laugh. Yeah. <laughs> really it's you. hard. It's, it feels like a mob rule, and the mob is crazy. Yeah, and I've been... I've had groups care loudly at me a number <laughs> of times, and it's not pleasant. So is it just chaos with these big group meetings? What value can the public really bring to the more technical or complex issues like health care or, you know, land planning, things like that? The experts know best, don't they? Well, you know, the engineers I work with would tell me, of course they do, but I try to uh, um, tell them that there is value in the engagement or the input that they're, they're getting from the public. Public meetings can be chaos, but they're chaos if they're done badly. Uh, they need to be well-planned. They need to be well uh, executed. But we, more importantly, we actually have to know when they are appropriate. And they're not always appropriate. Public meetings, um, you know, allow for grandstanding and soapboxing and all that sort of stuff. So they're not always the best tool. The one thing I always think about is that Discussions are always better than arguments because an argument is to find out who's right and a discussion is to find out what is right. And so we want to create this space where we have a discussion or, as I would say, a dialogue rather than having an argument or, or a debate. And so think about a pair of icebergs. So they're you know, sitting beside each other in the ocean and all you can see is the top. And the top is the position. This, person, this iceberg's for something, this iceberg's against it. And then we have to look at what's underneath that, what's under the water, what we can't see. And those are the interests and the values. So we see the positions, they're up there, but we need to find out what the interests and the values are and it's dialogue that helps us to do that. The value uh, in having these gatherings on the technical issues, to sort of move back to that, um, is that I think that there's certain information that your, your stakeholders know that they have, that they can share with you, and your project will be better off for it. So your technical crew and your experts haven't the same lived experience as the people in that community. And so, we, see, we see the same thing in healthcare where once upon a time it was doctor knows best, yes. which it's not the doctor doesn't know best, but it's, it's a layer of complexity in that it's my body and it's my accountability for my own health, which healthcare is right on side with. Let's talk about 
some of the different techniques that are used in P2 or public participation. What are they? And when are some of these good techniques a good strategy to use? Because it's not just full of open houses and information sessions. So one of my pet peeves is that I'll get an, a request for a proposal as, as consultants, you know, these come across our desks. And in that request for a proposal, they've actually named the technique. They don't know what the goal of the engagement process is. They don't maybe even really know who their audience is, but they know they want an open house. And my thought is always, how do you know? How do you know you need an open house? In order for engagement to be meaningful and authentic, it also has to be strategic. And that means that we need to know who the audience is. We need to have decided what level on the spectrum we're going to engage at. We need to have objectives. And there's so much more that goes into all the background before we actually pick a technique. If I'm at the consult level, um, there's a lot of fabulous online tools. And we've seen a huge expansion of that in this current time with, with the pandemic and people not being able to engage face-to-face the great online tools that we had are getting even better. So there's lots of really interesting things that you can do online. If you're at the involved level, um, when the, we can do face-to-face, I like workshops, I like world cafes, I like open space, and actually the latter two can be done as part of a workshop. Um, with Collaborate, um, I got to say, and I'm not supposed to have a favorite technique, but I do, and it's advisory groups. I love advisory groups. So I see them as an opportunity to build mutual understanding and respect while working through a decision process. So at the collaborate level, that's the one I'd go for. My experience hasn't been that I've had a client who was willing to give an entire project worth of decisions over to uh, the stakeholders, so to fully empower them to make all the decisions. But you can use Empower at certain parts of your decision process, certain parts of your project. I've, I've seen it work very successfully. There's something, say, about an LRT station design that you say, okay, you guys figure this one out because, you know, we've, we've cited the, the station, we've got these architectural um, design criteria, go for it. Some of the techniques fit better into collaboration and charrettes, I, I think, are a key example of fitting into, into collaboration. And one of the most powerful stories of P2 success comes from North Carolina in 1971. The 2018 film Best of Enemies, distributed by Warner Brothers, is based on the true events about an unlikely friendship between a civil rights activist and a Ku Klux Klan leader. This really happened. Let's play a short clip from the movie in which Anne Atwater, played by Taraji P. Henson, and C.P. Ellis, played by Sam Rockwell, are just getting to know one another. C.P. C.P. This, um, this play you want to bring. We're willing to go along with it, but there'll be folks not wild about the sight of it. So uh, you're going to need to provide some security, someone to watch over it. I'm not going to be responsible for it. 
This is my security. That gun don't belong here. I like to have it close in case I need to do my talking for me. This here does the talking for me. I have a Bible. Oh, you do? Have you read it? Of course I read it. And we go to church on Sundays. Hmm. Well, then you ought to know, C.P. Know what? Same God made you, made me. Um, I really believe that you can get powerful results when you bring people together for thoughtful dialogue. And that's what this example was all about. Um, clearly, our, our two main characters have really different opinions. One's a civil rights activist. The other is uh, a leader in the Ku, Ku Klux Klan. But they were asked by a prominent community leader to co-chair an engagement process on segregation and other local issues. And um, the charrette was, was the, um, the technique that they chose, but it's really about what happens to them while they're in the charrette, not the charrette that itself. So you don't have to understand what, the charrette, what a charrette is. Um, right from the beginning, um, you know, we've got CP trying to set up his display of Ku Klux Klan items. And he's getting to do that actually in exchange for some gospel music being played at the event. So, so he's already having to think about maybe not collaborating, but at least, um, you know, having some sort of um, a coming together where he's, he's had a bit of a trade-off. You know, he'll listen to the gospel music, even though he doesn't want to but then he gets to do his thing too. So there, there's that little bit of um, making concessions for each other. And then throughout the whole movie, um, through the, the engagement process part of the movie, they're getting to know each other. These two enemies really are getting to know each other and then covering that, you know, those things below the iceberg, the interests and the values, they're actually not all that different. But the Two things in the process that really resonated with me um, and that they're things that I do in my processes are one that they had to sit down and have lunch together. So breaking bread together um, can actually change a relationship. You're no longer faceless and nameless. You actually have to um, get to know each other. And it's really harder to rant at somebody who you've just sat down and had lunch with. And um, the other thing they did was a field trip. So they went to the burned out school where the black children were attending or had been attending. And so um, this is building mutual understanding and um, getting to know each other's lived experiences. Mm. I worked on a number of occasions with um, environmentalists uh, out of Rocky Mountain House area in, in Alberta. And she was quite a character and she spoke at an event I attended and she talked about the idea of bringing the diverse opinions together, bringing the people that were against you into the room with you. And she said, and her words, you'd rather have them on the inside pissing out than the outside pissing in. <laughs> Gay, I'm so glad we did this podcast together. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much, Doug.
If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Gay Robinson, you can reach her at the Canadian Trainers Collective website. That's the best way to do it. Canadian Trainers Collective, all one word, .ca. If you liked what you heard today, would you do us two favors, actually? Would you rate us on Apple Podcasts? And would you recommend this podcast to one friend? And if you have an idea for an episode or just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. See, Gay, we're being collaborative with the listeners. Collaboration is good. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Thanks for listening.